Hello, everyone. Welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, episode 102. We're a podcast that talks about pop culture things, and sometimes there is whiskey. My name is John, and I am joined, as always, by Andrea. Hello, everybody. And a brand new guest, long time coming, uh, Tony. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. You bet. Um, it's gonna, we're going to have a good chat. Uh, in this episode, we've uh, haven't been we haven't had a show for feels like a little longer than normal. So we've got some things to talk about from our weeks, a few news stories, and then we're gonna get into Moon Knight. Um, a lot of people have been talking about that. The first two episodes are presently available, and we've all seen them. And we're going to discuss uh, that spoiler talk. Will be in the latter half of the episode, though. So. No worries about spoilers until we get there. First, Andrea, drinks, drink holidays. There must be some, yes? Indeed, indeed. Uh, we have a couple drink holidays past on September, or September, wow. Ooh, <laughs> you guys. Oh my God, half a year is gone already. I, <laughs> I don't want to. I've been sick the past week, sleeping a lot. So I feel like we just moved a whole half a year ahead. You woke up, your hair was down to your knees, and your right? nails were growing out like six inches. It's like the oh. worst scenario of a Sleeping Beauty situation. She just yeah. wakes up and is just all gnarly. Wouldn't that Chris be a great part of the frantically fairy tale? kissing you and stuff, and he's like, "Gosh, <laughs> don't wake up! What is this?" <laughs> yeah. uh, take just soldiering on taking care of our baby daughter for half a year without me you know no big deal oh that would be sad that made me sad just now yeah <laughs> oh, it was so downer. fun until that moment that i brought it down. yeah <laughs> reality emotional damage yeah <laughs> therapy later it's fine whatever yeah mm -hmm. um no so april 7th it was both National Beer Day and the day that we celebrate the end of Prohibition in the U.S. So really vague and general for that. Obviously, the end of Prohibition, you can basically, you know, drink anything and say you're celebrating the day. Um, otherwise, of course, raise a glass or a pint or however size you take it of, a, of beer um, to celebrate that. Um, and then a couple of days ago on the 9th, it was National Gin and Tonic Day, which I am celebrating of a fashion. Okay. So I was thinking about us watching Moon Knight and sort of like, okay, well, you know, in the show, I'm really loving the fact that it's centered around Egyptian mythology. Um, like Tony mentioned in his show notes, I think every kid had like an Egyptian mythology phase where it was just like super cool and you were super interested in it. Well, um, we did grow I, up with the mummy. Right. Yes. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> so I was I was looking around for um like a an Egyptian twist on the gin and tonic and I found it. And it's, it's it was invented during World War II in Egypt. Um and it was invented as a hangover cure. And it was super effective and therefore super popular amongst soldiers. Um, so it's called The Suffering Bastard. And as I was making it, I was like telling Chris a little bit about the history of it. And of course, was then thinking about the mummy and just like flew into a barrage of Winston quotes. 
I'll just like, <laughs> I just couldn't help myself. I was just like, oh, I wish I could have chucked it up in flame and glory with the other laddies. Instead, I sit here rotting of boredom and booze. And Chris was yeah. like, oh. <laughs> He's like, okay, well, bonus points if you and I was already like, I love Winston. And he's like, I was going to say yes. name the character. <laughs> I was like, don't worry, I've got it. Um, So I have here The Suffering Bastard, which is equal parts bourbon, gin, lime juice, tonic, a little dash of ginger beer, and a dash of bitters. So. Wow. Cheers. That is a, some concoction. Mm-hmm. Man. Um. How is yep. it? It's decent. It's very just like effervescent. It's kind of. Okay. It's a, it's just a hint citrusy. You really, I, I feel like when I started making it, I thought the bourbon and gin would be terrible, but you really, okay. it's, they're just sort of like the tang of alcohol. It's not like warring flavors are happening. So. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's I would not have something never I would like things together. Yeah, it's not something I would go out and order and be excited about. But I was like, oh, I, you know, this is kind of fun. It's like I said, a twist on the gin and tonic. It originated yeah. in Egypt. It feels appropriate. Like we can talk about it later. But I do feel like our main character in Moon Knight is a little bit of a suffering bastard. So, you know, <laughs> it felt appropriate to me. So there you go. Are you, right. are you sure you didn't lose your sense of taste when you were sick and it's still hanging around? <laughs> Along with my sense of time. <laughs> it's, it's September and my taste buds are like, I don't know, man, we give up. <laughs> this tastes great. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking it up because uh, you said cheers. You should say uh, Egyptian cheers. Ooh, okay. Okay. So. It's probably probably butchered it, but that's all right. I like I mean, it. It sounds cool. It does. Fashahetic. Mm -hmm. Tony, are you drinking anything? You know, celebrating I, I, a holiday, perhaps? No. Yes. You know, I, I wish I had like a cool background story for, uh, for my <laughs> drink, but I, I do know that that during Prohibition, uh, uh, they had the uh, what was it the the moonshine runners out in the uh, out in the mountains and uh moonshine and bourbon and whiskey were big big back mm -hmm. in that day so to celebrate that i guess i'm having myself just a simple jack on the rocks nice <laughs> you try to tie it in the pro yeah, it's fine yeah, it's good yeah yep. <laughs> <Come with this. laughs> okay nice all right well that's uh and I'm it glad certainly fits with the, the whiskey uh... Yeah, yeah, I was going to say it certainly fits with the uh, theme of our show. So well done, you. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also drinking a gin and tonic of sorts. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, I don't have limes, so I do have tonic water, but we also have liquid death. Ooh. If you've heard of it. Nice. Oh, liquid it's death. Really good. Yeah, it's just it's just canned water. You know, okay. uh, most you can get it. I think in still Ashley gets it sparkling or whatever. And there's, you can get it in different flavors. This one is called severed lime. Um, and so it's a, it's a carbonated water with lime in it as well. So I thought that was kind of fitting for a sort of a G and T. If you've never looked at this, I want to read you like the 
side of it. It's fun. It's got a really uh, so interesting Liquid Death. Backstory. Yeah. Um, this ruthless tall boy of flavored sparkling water is armed with agave nectar and natural electrolytes to refresh your body and murder your thirst. That's all it's all about, murdering your thirst. So the thirst murder. If you look up mm-hmm. that company, because I, I I found that in a in a in a grocery store. And at first, I, I somebody was trying to give me one when I was hungover, and I was like, I'm not I'm not drinking that. Like, what do you know? Right. <laughs> I, I didn't know what it was. I was like, no sure. Way. Yep. Um, Looks like a beer. True, and yeah, and true to that nature, that company designed it so that it can be sold at rock shows to DDs. And people oh. would think that they're drinking, drinking alcohol, and they could, like, you know, because it was always one of those, like, oh, I can't believe you're not drinking. So sure. it was like, uh, yeah. So they just, they just have it. They can still look heavy metal and rocking when they're. That's yeah. awesome. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, cool. Yeah. I'd support that. Yeah, that was a snippet. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that was the, uh, that was a snippet the the CEO was talking about when they first launched that. Sure. Cool. All right. Well, that's great. We've got uh, three drinks that fit our categories and uh, three different ones. So good mm-hmm. work all around. Our weeks, entertainment-wise, pop culture consumption. Mm-hmm. Tony, we can start with you. Like, what have you, what have you been diving into? What have you been eating oh, yeah, up? I- I live such a, a varied life. You know me, John. I just I, I could name millions of shows that I've been watching. But uh, wow. no, I, I just scraped the bottom of the barrel. I mean, I couldn't remember really much of anything that I've been watching because a lot of the stuff that I, I intake is either old shows that I used to watch because I feel like watching them or they're, you know, new ones sprinkled in. But I did go to the movie theaters for the first time in a while. Um you know, my my wife and and her friends wanted to go see a movie. They were celebrating her friend's birthday, and they wanted me to, to tag along. And of course, I was like, "Yeah, sure." So we went and saw The Lost City with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum and yes. Brad Pitt. And <laughs> that movie, you know, I, it was funnier than I expected that movie to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, uh, you know, like Channing Tatum is obviously, you know, very charming he is lovable he kind of plays that like lovable goof character in that movie um you know daniel radcliffe was in i did not know daniel radcliffe was in that movie i knew nothing about this movie before going to see it and he shows up and he plays the villain and i was like all right i'm in like let's let's, let's, let's see what he does it's it's um so like ultimately thumbs up i i would say it's it's entertaining i would say it's very it's very entertaining um yeah i i enjoyed it other other than other than the lost city um well hold on now we were talking pre-show about daniel radcliffe all right yeah now you enjoy daniel radcliffe in this role andrea is he he a good villain yeah so i don't want to bash daniel radcliffe because i actually i actually like daniel radcliffe but did you ever see um, Now You See Me too? I think it's, I guess, what is it? No. Oh. No. Okay. So I really liked the, the first Now You See Me, but I was like, I, this premise is completely played out for me. Like, I just, I was not willing to, like, move into a second one. So I, I have missed the glory or not of that movie. I will 
I will agree with you on that. I I saw the second one because I liked the first one. Sure. And, and then I kind of realized probably didn't need a second one. Sure. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. The first one felt very complete and I was just like, I'm really good. Like the, you did a great job with this premise. Like you took it all the way and I feel great about it. So thank you. Oh yeah. And the suspension of disbelief is there mm. in the first one, which I think is yes. like huge yep. in that type of movie. Exactly. Um, but they had like, Daniel Radcliffe plays the villain in the second one. And the character he plays in the lost city is very much like an extension of of that character. Okay. So I, I feel like, you know, he and he plays the character well. Okay. But it's almost like the same the same character. Now I sure. say that with the, you know, I you know, let me put some context behind that. I haven't seen Now You See Me Too for like a year and a half, two years. So sure. I could just be kind yeah. of like merging the two characters together. That's relatively sure. recent, yeah. Mm-hmm. See, I, I I haven't seen The Lost City. I plan to. I'm not sure whether or not I would, like, go out to a theater to go see it or if I might just, like, wait and feel like it'll be on streaming at some point. Like, I'll see it. Um, But so what I guess I envisioned his villain to be would be, like, like a comedic version of a villain. You know what I mean? Because the whole movie is, like, clearly goofy and funny and charming. And I just didn't see him playing, like... I just sort of imagined him not playing a straight villain where it would be like, like a caricature of a villain. You know what I mean? Just somehow it's like ironic or funny or just like not well done or something. Like, I just don't see it being like, and I, and I mean that in a, in a way that's not like casting aspersions on his acting abilities. I just mean it in a way that's just not like we're committed. He's an actual bad guy and well, you know, he's going to yeah. be like a really good bad guy. So I just I sort of envisioned it being comedic. So I just thought like, he is a really great comedic actor. Like he has great comedic chops. Like I adore him on miracle workers, the TV show and I just think he has amazing comedic timing. So I just thought it would translate. But yeah, I could see him not being like a great straight up, like he's the villain. Well, that's, and it's funny you mentioned that. The reason I said it's kind of the same thing is because he was, it was a comedic villain and now you see me too. And I don't know if it was oh. supposed to be. Oh, well, that's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Like, here, here I feel like it, it should fit. And now you see me, it's like, no, that's real. Like that's, you know, they're trying to play like, play it straight. So and, and that's a that's terrible a choice. Role. Yeah. I mean, that, that 100% could be. And that's where, like, in this one, it, it fits. Like, he, you feel like his, like he does. Like, cause I, I like Miracle Workers, too. I think, uh, I think he does, like, really good in that kind of, like, lighthearted, comedic. He's not taking it, you know, Oregon super Trail seriously. Oregon Trail just, like, slayed me. It I just, watched it, that one. You haven't watched it yet? I've, oh only, my God. I've only seen the second series, too, because the first one, like, I didn't really yep. get into it. But then when the the anthology, when they're in the they're back in, like, the Dark Ages, I yes. watched that one. I thought that one was really funny. Yes. Chris, that's where Chris and I started. We just were like, well, it's okay because they start over every season, yeah. so you don't have to watch the previous one. So we watched um, – I can't remember if it was Dark Ages or Middle Ages or whatever – and then went back and watched the first one, and then we're ready when Oregon Trail came out definitely do not miss Oregon Trail. Do not. It is so, so good. So we were talking pre-show about, I had a funny story about Daniel Radcliffe and my one-year-old daughter. Um, 
so the other night, uh, she was fussy and, uh, I went down to go get her. And usually when she's fussy at night, she calms down when I sing to her a little bit. So, you know, I, I sing a variety of things like between like kids songs that she listens to, or Metallica. I'm a huge, I was yeah. going to say I'm a huge Metallica fan. <laughs> so Chris, Chris was listening to me on the monitor the other night sing Enter Sandman. I was going to ask like, Enter Sandman. freaking giggling. <laughs> But the other night, um, I, you know, I started out singing like a kid's song and then, you know, I, my mind wasn't really with it. So I was just like continuing to sing, but not really thinking about it. And then I, I kind of came back to myself and realized I was singing, she'll be coming round the mountain when she comes, which Daniel Radcliffe does an amazing, crazy, like just drugged up version of that on Oregon Trail. He, he's, he's like a hole in a nightclub and he's got like glitter makeup and he's like doing a whole thing. Watch that scene and, and get back <laughs> to me because that's what I realized. And I was realized I was singing it like that. I was like singing it, this whole like disco dance tech version that he does in the show. And I was like, oh God, if ever it knew the context behind this, like Daniel Radcliffe Someday. and glitter makeup wearing leather assless chaps and singing she'll be coming around the mountain like oh boy this is not <laughs> kid appropriate material <laughs> someday it'll be, Some, it'll be a good someday story. she'll know mm-hmm. she'll know yep she'll watch this this episode of the podcast and then she'll be like well i gotta go find out what that is so sure. well <laughs> lost city i'd like to see it too i think it'd be looks fun is it coming? I wonder if it's coming to a streaming service soon and who that would be days. under. I bet yeah, it, right? I that's, bet it will. That's the way it seems to go. Well, Paramount, because I, I think it's a Paramount movie and Paramount's knocking their Is contracts it? from 90 to 45 days. There's an article in the Hollywood Reporter about Tom Cruise and he mm-hmm. was up in arms because they wanted uh, Top was Gun? It, Mission Impossible 7. Mm-hmm. They oh, okay. wanted to take it from a 90-day run in the theaters to a 45-day run in the theaters. And he's like, no, I want the full 90 because he gets paid on ticket sales. He Mm -hmm. doesn't get paid on streaming. Um, And they're like, well, the money is usually made in 45 days instead of 90. And so, I mean, there's it was a good insight into, like, how the entire industry is, like, reshifting their business model. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people are upset about it. Not the consumer, yeah, we talked we about those a number of times, the way that uh, they kind of have, like you say, are shifting business models. But definitely is one of those things where you need to be looking out then before you make these contracts. Mm-hmm. You know, if this is a, of course, if this is not yet settled, then so be it. But we ran into that, obviously, with the Black Widow, right. um, where, oh, no, we're going we're gonna to release this day and date or whatever. And then we also had a debacle with hbo what if mm-hmm. for when their max was launching at first all their movies were going to come day and date to and it's hard to judge the success because then right. you know the the hollywood papers they get the theater numbers they don't they're not obligated uh the companies are not obligated to share streaming numbers uh you know and how how they judge that are they generating new subscribers it's a whole new system of polling and understanding like does this movie correlate with the new subscribers we got or is it something else like yeah it's all kind of a a mess and it's definitely something 
been following to see where this there's going to be some new thing i think mm-hmm. that will be a standard just no one knows what it's going to be yet it seems right now like 45 days is the standard on most releases it's not like set in stone for everything but right. they're they're kind of right now there's a unspoken spoken 45 days sure so, so i just looked it up and lost city is expected to stream on Paramount Plus around May 9th. Oh, check it out. Okay. <laughs> so way to nail it. Yeah. Nailed it. Well, I've been axing streaming services, so I don't know what uh I don't know if I'll end up having that. Yeah, John's gotten hardcore about that. Well, it's just because mm-hmm. John's going through another tech crisis. Tech crisis? <laughs> that that's not that's not relevant. Like <laughs> I'm not saying like, that, how dare you. <laughs> He's like, I feel personally attacked. <laughs> Tony Square no, I... just goes dark suddenly. Oh, I don't know what happened. <laughs> oh, bummer. Anyway, crisis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Lost City. Uh, what else? What else has been going on this week for you? Um. Well, let's see. So I did. Um. I took some time off and. Uh, I picked up uh, sim racing with uh, one of my other buddies. So I got like a whole sim set up, got it for my birthday. So not, not like a super expensive one, um, but it's something I've always wanted to try. And it's like interesting. I've, I've played racing games like my entire life, mm-hmm. um, but to get into like simulation, you got like I racing, a set of course, a competition um, and all these other types of like real world racing games. It's interesting to kind of see the, kind of the economy around them how they're kind of building up now you got these esports coming into play um you know like they ran nascar during the pandemic they ran nascar on sim racing so it's like huh. really interesting to kind of get into that world so that kind of took up some of my time this week kind of learned about that um i started raised by wolves because john kept telling me i should watch it so i finally started watching it and it is that is um I was telling Mike, it's uh, it's very cl- like classic. I would say kind of classic uh, noir sci-fi type. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ridley Scott. When I found out he produced it, I was like, oh, it's there's a lot of Ridley Scottness in this series, and in how it's shot, and how the characters interact, and and the the coloring, the music, the sound, everything is very much his style. Um, Story-wise, it feels like it's it's got a lot of those fundamental sci-fi aesthetics to it, which I I really like. It's not like the new age sci-fi. It's it's a little bit you know it's got a little bit of that classic in there. I like that. Um, and then uh, I've picked it up because I there's a there's a about a thirty to forty minute time period in the morning when I'm eating breakfast and I have before I go to work or before I walk into my office and turn on my computer. Um, <laughs> that I didn't I didn't know what to do. And normally I'd I'd watch the news, but I'm I'm kind of tired of getting depressed, so I don't want to watch yep. the news anymore. Newsed out. Yep, some little newsed out. So I was flipping through uh HBO Max and I found they had the original Batman the animated series, like the twenty minute from like nineteen ninety two and I was like Yep. 
no way. <laughs> so I started watching. So now it's like every morning I have my bowl of Cheerios, maybe some eggs and toast, and I'm watching Batman the Animated Series nice. for 20 minutes. <laughs> nice. That's a good way to start the morning. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it is, it holds up. Like, story-wise, I guess when I was a kid and I used to watch him, I only cared because I was like, it's Batman, and he's, right, you know, right. beating the villains up. And now, like, I'm watching, and I'm like, wow, there's, like... It's, like, way... so much you miss as a yeah, kid. Yeah, there's a lot more story here. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, Batman, I think, was... Batman and X-Men as well, though. X-Men is less well-produced. Um, Sad to say it, because I love it, but... Um, it, it's, was important, I think for American cartoons, because we weren't getting those kinds of complex characters and stories generally in American cartoons, uh, Mm -hmm. that was only coming from Japanese cartoons. And, um, that's why Andrea and I have talked before, like we're maybe the luckiest, like the golden age of cartoons in a way, because in the West, like our Saturday mornings were great, you know, between like Tsunami bringing some Eastern flavor and then Saturday mornings with uh, X-Men, Batman and some mm-hmm. other classics like we were we were eating good. Yeah. You know, it was like a thing. Saturday morning cartoons. They were they were worth getting up for and like working to have that TV time set aside. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, in I guess in my house, like if I wanted to watch that much of a block of TV, like I would, I had to have like a certain amount of homework done and a certain amount of chores done, and then I could just like set that whole morning aside, and it was worth it to me because it was so yeah. good. You could not miss Saturday morning cartoons. Oh no! Yeah. I mean, that was back when you know that that's when I learned about Eastern and Pacific time zones because mm-hmm. I I didn't know what time zone. I was in. Yep. At all. So I would like yep. get on at four Eastern and I'd be like, Oh, it's, it's four o'clock now. It, it, you know, that's like, it has to come on now. So I'd, I'd miss shows that time. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you're right. I mean, it was like that, that was at like eight in the morning till like 11. Mm-hmm. It was just amazing. Every just Saturday golden morning. hours. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember yeah. that's also how I learned about time zones because That was the age of if you missed it, like you were screwed. Like there was no like rewatch. There was no like, oh, you could just pause the TV and wait. You missed it and it was gone forever. And these are the shows now that were. These are the shows now that were continuing week to week, Mm -hmm. as opposed to what American cartoons would be traditionally is you'd have your 20 minutes of slapstick. And then it would be a whole new, different 20 minutes of slapstick next week, you know? Right. Uh, completely unrelated. Right. So you yeah, wanted they, to see that so opera story that kept going. and Yeah, you know. I was going to say they so occasionally had like one-off episodic, you know, you could miss it and yeah. and technically be fine even if, you know. it it was crucial and you came back next week and you were just like i don't know like you hoped you hoped you could pick it up yep well tony um but your previous topic 
shameless plug you know we have a companion series uh talking all about raised by wolves so as you go through it you can watch it along and see what we think and then leave comments to let us know where we're wrong or what we missed so okay i'll have to also go deep see if you see if your sci-fi archives go as far back as mine do (laughs) yeah oh yeah well okay let's see we do we do get into some pretty good discussions um and we do of course have shane on for our a couple of discussions i think we had shane on once for season one and once for season two and then emily once yeah and um wanted to have mike on it for that sometime but he was always way behind yeah um yeah because the show's so philosophical it's always fun i but um I'll tell you this. I'm, this is my shameless. I'm going to say this. I'm using it to wash the bitter taste of foundation out of my mouth. Let's put it that way. Ah, okay. Uh, I've, 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 I've sourced you on this show before as our mm-hmm. foundation expert, uh, yep. talking about your, your disappointment in, in the show. It's sad. It started so strong. I felt like there were so many good, it, there were so many good things happening and good people and good characters. And then I don't know how exactly it all fell apart. It, um, yeah, I, I mean, mean I, I don't want to deviate so far. Yeah, but for it, sure. What, yeah. What I, I, mean, I don't want to like, drag us into, you know. Like, how far do you want to go, Andrew? Yeah, no. What, what, apologies. What I, I'm, I'm queen up. of just like, let me just like take us right over here. <laughs> Uh, what I had summed up from your thoughts, Tony, is it seemed like it's just a show that probably should have never been adapted. It was adapted because it would draw some names, the authors, you know, highly, highly renowned name, the name of the book. And so they figured they'd make it and they draw in an audience this way. But it's not really a story that's well suited to being adapted to some other form of media. Because I remember it talking is. to you and you're yeah. like, how is how are they going to do this? How are they mm-hmm. going to tell this story? It doesn't seem possible. Then you're, then you watch and you're like, yeah, it's not, it's not possible. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and what a lot of people don't know is that that's not their first shot at trying to do that either. Yeah. I mean, there's been, it's been decades. Like there's multiple times over the last 30 years or more that they've tried to get this sci-fi series to be made into a movie. Right. And um, for the longest time, the Asimov didn't even want it to be made into a show. Because it, sure, it, yeah. it's just, it's so, like, if you, it, it is, like, 90% of the book is just dialogue. <laughs> just people talking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's uh, that sounds like a lot of good stuff, Tony. Um, I won't chastise you about the last thing you wrote in that you did this uh, this week, because <laughs> that's ridiculous. Big Bang Theory's um, amazing. Leave it alone. <laughs> but fifth full playthrough what's wrong with you man oh yeah dude i have put that on repeat from season one episode one and i will just play it in the background and i, I yeah, like I have say, it on it's gotta be just background yes oh yeah i mean i watched it fully three times like sat mm-hmm. and watched it and now four or five and i think i'm on my sixth right now is literally just background noise yep okay i have a couple like go-to shows that are just like if i'm having a day you know, and I just need like the noise, but I don't want to actually watch anything. Like I have a couple shows that are go to that are just like, this is very safe and familiar. And like, there are a couple interesting moments, but I can get my work done and it's fine. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Yep. Alan says the office and next generation. Yep. Oh, solid next generation. Yes. Yeah, solid. solid. Yep. Yeah. 
The the office is definitely one of mine, much to Chris's chagrin, although he's learning to like bear I, it. I can't watch it. <laughs> Chris the- Chris really hates like awkward humor and he hates being uncomfortable. And like yes. the early seasons are so cringe. Like the later seasons he can tolerate a little bit more because there's a little bit of like more awareness soapy. there. Yeah. Mm. There's there's less just like hard cringe, but yeah. Yep, he has I'm, he I'm has with struggles that. with that. Yeah, I can't. I'll, t- I'll I, tell him. <laughs> I want to watch it. I want to like it, but every time I sit down, I'm like, Yeah, like. yep. <laughs> it's it's much easier when I go through like a Parks and Rec phase because there's still some cringe, but it's just it's like so much less that he's mm-hmm. like, I I tolerate this much better. Thank you. Yep. Andrea, how about uh, how about your week? Some, uh, at least one thing kind of connected to what Tony's been up to. Yeah, yeah. So I um, I didn't get a whole lot new watched this week because um, unfortunately I fell ill. We are still experiencing the joys of a child being in daycare and bringing home all sorts of grab bag oh fun illnesses. Um, so yeah, so I was kind of in the mood for something old school and comforting. And speaking of cartoons, I watched... Some more gargoyles on Disney Plus. Um, that was a that was a cartoon I was super into as a kid. I loved it so much. Um, and I'm going back and watching it as an adult is so much fun because I'm definitely like same thing, just picking up on so much storyline that I woof, went right over my head as a kid. Um, but I finally finished season two. There were 52 freaking episodes in that season. I have no idea why somebody didn't think to like break Split this up. up because season one is like 16 episodes or 13 episodes and season three is like 13 episodes and somehow season two is like an entire year's worth of episodes. Like I just don't understand Weird. what happened. And why, even if they made them, they couldn't have been classified into different seasons. Whatever. But hey, anyway. <laughs> it it might have been to its benefit because I always hated when the seasons would break and it would wait till like right. basically school year started again till the next till you'd season. get the next there was this thing. Big yeah. Summer break or something. So if it I was know. able to just keep going, maybe then I know. It's it's always been so funny to me when I think about like summer break for TV shows. That's like the worst idea because why, you know, for kids, especially like we're all going back to school. Like why in the world would you like have like teen shows and kids shows and cartoons outside of normal school hours? So that's right, why but like you have homework and like activities and family stuff. Yeah, so you have so much true. less time. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's not like a really I big agree. deal. Cause I, understand, I understand, but you're supposed to go outside and have fun. That's you're, yeah, that's right. what you're supposed to do in the summer. So I know well, you guys are kind of assuming that I wasn't like a pasty shut in. <laughs> no, I'm not assuming that that could be I'm you definitely know, just, not assuming that we just literally talked about the fact that like how hard I would dedicate myself to those like three hours of Saturday morning cartoons. Like, yeah, and my t- homework and done, get my chores is- done. <laughs> Anyone that watches Big Bang Theory five times through, I'm not going to doubt because maybe a pasty face shut in. <laughs> so, uh, you want to talk about Howard Wallowitz? <laughs> Tony's like, it's my life, man. <laughs> no, 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 it's uh, yeah. So anyway, um, 
Yeah, that's that's always just been like a funny thing to consider for me because I always like freaked out about it as a kid. Like, what if I don't have enough time to watch TV because I'm doing all my homework yeah. and I have to do my school sports because my parents maybe do at least one sport. So, you know, it was yep. just always a mystery. But anyway, um, going back to this, I have finished the year year's worth of season two Gargoyles episodes. I was very proud of that. Um, and then Chris and I watched our final episode of the Explained series, which focused on fairy tales, uh, which was pretty fun and actually sort of inspired my choice of next show uh, because the, the fairy tale episode was talking about Disney's first full-length animated feature, Snow White, and the way that he animated that and like did different, like a new, a whole new technique of motion capture to oh, do sure. like. Um, especially when like the dwarves and Snow White were in that like dancing scene that was just like so crucial to get that movement right and to mimic like human movements. So was there a um, rotoscoping thing? I think so. I've, I've already forgotten exactly what the term was that they were doing, but um, I just remember like a, an entire section of the episode being devoted to that. And I was just like, yeah, that really was so cool. Like when you show it like side by side with what, previous animation was doing um sure. so then that that inspired my next choice um of anime that i started which is welcome to the ballroom it's on amazon prime and i basically chose it because it's like a, a show focused on dancing and like movement okay. um and i really like it i mean good the, yeah, the I, I'm only one, one episode in the plot isn't overly complicated you know this this young boy starts um, taking ballroom dancing lessons. He kind of just like falls into it by accident um, and ends up being really fascinated by it. But just the way that they bring that movement to life, but animated is really okay. fascinating to me. So I'm really enjoying that show so far. Sounds like something that Studio Ghibli had put together. Could be. I yeah, honestly don't know. Like, true to life type, you know, animation styles, with, mm-hmm. you know, especially with food. God, yeah, food. I always get so hungry when I watch that. <laughs> Ghibli really often focuses around a young female protagonist, though, and mm. there's a lot of fantastical elements. So it's sure. like a way to like explore, you know, real world trauma or whatever, but then like bringing in something fantastical to. But yeah, maybe uh, you know, I was thinking like Yuri on Ice. Have you tried that? I think that's always it's about the skating. The movement yeah. of the ballet and the skating and stuff on the yeah the... i've always i've always sort of like sidestepped any like sports related anime although i did yeah um i can't remember what the there I was watched. one i remember you saying it was really good uh yes it I don't was, what that was around volleyball um and okay. i loved it i adored it um but yeah so so this one was just sort of like a little bit of you know getting into like the sport movement but ballroom dance so it was just really fun yeah yeah Okay. Um, Maybe I'll. So yeah. So that's that. that's kind of all the new stuff that I've watched, and then of course I watched Moon Knight, as we'll discuss later. Cool. Uh, yeah, I've uh, consumed a lot of anime again. Um, Don't toy with me, Miss Nagatoro. I finished. That's done. Season one is all done. Um, for thoughts on that, you should go check out the my last Ohio anime stream. Kind of reviewed that a little more for people. Non spoilery, but. Ultimately, I do recommend it. Um, my Dress Up Darling is, in English, coming to a close very quickly. 
next week is the finale. So I've seen the last two episodes now. It's still something like oddly charming about it. It's um, like, it seems like a show for people that really have an eclectic hobby or want to get into cosplay or something and are weird about or nervous about it. They feel like uh, there's a stigma attached to it or something. And so this show is kind of like, feels like one big reinforcement of it's okay. Be you, you know, do your thing, <laughs> follow your passion. Like that's, that's what this show feels like ultimately. Um, and so it's, it definitely has this, like cringy moments like, Oh, that's so awkward. But sure. it's been, it's been fun. Um, Rascal does not dream of bunny girl senpai uh, again <laughs> with the names. But, um, what are you watching? <laughs> this is a this is a really unique show i think that i i recommend this to a lot of people or if, if you're in anime this is a good one to to pick up it's mm-hmm. you would never have any idea what it is by the title so i guess it's not a good title but Damn um, <laughs> <laughs> but this is becoming a trend in in anime and manga for sure is the long drawn out titles but often the long drawn out titles are being very precise you know they're mm-hmm. very like uh you know obvious and on the nose. This show um uses kind of a supernatural element to tackle relationships and um the dialogue in this is written in a in a way that's different than a lot of anime. It's um some of the characters are a lot more kind of upfront. Um it's some of the just the dialogue choices are just I don't know, they're interesting. But um, it's a it's it's both emotional and heartwarming, and kind of makes you think a little bit. Uh, we've seen through episode eight thus far, and uh, it continues to be to be good. Um, wins to Sonic the Hedgehog two. Uh, managed to squeeze that in in like the early premiere night last minute. So um, I want to see that. Yeah, so it was bad. good. I do too. Um, uh it's if you like the first one you'd like the second one i Mm -hmm. i I did a little youtube short for this uh, like getting right out of the theater because they give you a poster and a comic or whatever and it's um i just it's amazing how the sonic movies happen to be managed to be the best video game adaptations there are into movie for like who would have thought you know like sonic games came in and adapt themselves bold (laughs) <laughs> is it is it bold what even comes close let's be honest i if we talk about animated series we can talk about castlevania we can talk about arcane which i also started uh yes. by the way arcane yes. uh, so good so good so thank you yeah i, I don't, I I don't even it. play league of legends and i think it's a great show i know i i know almost nothing about league of legends and i yeah, love arcane. nor should either of you play that game right perfect <laughs> um <laughs> but, don't even play it don't even touch it yeah. <laughs> but yeah I, I so sonic 2 is great it feels rever. it feels like it 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 honors what sonic is it's a lot of fun it's a great family movie um does it hold the, the charm the like the first one it does it absolutely does okay good. it really does good um so if jim then, carrey uh, retires on this it's gonna be okay i it's a Jim Carrey performance, you know, it's a Jim Carrey role. But like, it's a good movie. And yes. Right. You know he doesn't, what I mean? he doesn't like, retire on a flop or anything okay. like that. No, okay. the movie is performing well. It deserves to, it's, it's a, it's a fun time. 
Okay. So, um, and there's, yeah, Arcane, like I say, I started that um, yes. because I turned Netflix yes. back on for a bit so I can power through this do it. and uh, try to get through Kingdom yet. Um, that kind mm, of thing. Yes, so, do it. Well, watch the yeah. IT crowd while you're at it. Well, I've done that a lot. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I should just buy that one. I should just buy that. Mm-hmm. That's that's classic. Um, and then Spy Family, Spy X Family, whatever that just started. That's a that's a hotly anticipated anime show that oh, is okay. now airing on Crunchyroll. Epi- only episode one is available presently, and um, that's based on the manga. Mm-hmm. It's and it's good. It's it's about a spy, and um, he has to do a mission with a family that he doesn't have. So that's to get around that. And it kind of takes place. Does he have to like create um, a family? Yeah, he has to, he has to acquire a family. Okay. (laughs) Um, It's very like animated. We're the Millers. Yeah. I was going to say, he's going to find out what the meaning of family is. Yeah. Yeah, It's, you know, so far it looks good. Uh, It sounds good. It's, um, it's cute. Yeah. It's um it's a little different. It's a different tone. It's set in what seems like a uh fake sort of Europe in I don't know, maybe the nineteen fifties, nineteen forties, something like that. And uh Cold War Europe yeah. or post war pre Cold War Europe. Well I mean it's made up it's a made up world, so just oh, aesthetically you know oh, okay. yeah aesthetically it's because mm-hmm. there's different nations i forget what they are called there's like a big east and west nation and they're you know always okay. each other's throats and whatever but they're made up and all that sort of thing so sure so yeah definitely recommend so far off of the first one and then i to talk about something that is not really pop culture but i, I want to bring it up because it's uh it's like been consuming me. I like, I haven't really consumed a book or, and, okay. and been consumed by a book in quite a while. And okay. cause I started like four books. I'm in the middle of a couple different ones and stuff like that, but this one really grabbed me. And it's like, honestly had me depressed. <laughs> it's like, it's so it's called in order to live. Okay. So it's nonfiction. I have to keep reminding myself that it's nonfiction because it's so, tragic and catastrophic it's about a woman that escaped north korea and oh, um so in order to live a north korean girl's journey to freedom and uh my own me park and uh it's i'm almost done i've been like powering through it it's just i have i was like i had to go to work out today i go to kickboxing mm-hmm. and i'm just like trying to like lift myself up because i'm it's so heavy you know but it's just an amazing story so like if you're looking for a book to read um yeah in order to live uh, it's it's a really good read so okay yeah it didn't really sell me on that one john (laughs) (laughs) well at the same time it makes at the same time it makes you obviously very grateful you know like it makes you you very great very grateful for the the fortunate things we have in our own lives and stuff like that um appreciate um yeah so it it does do that but it's still it's still stunning you know like the the it's one of those uh human condition pieces you know it's just like what 
the astonishments that people can achieve mm-hmm. when they're pushed to that limit. Mm-hmm. I mean, this would be an amazing book that I talk about on the podcast or whatever, if it was, if it was fiction, you know, it's just like, it has, it's like, but it's so crazy that so many terrible things could happen to one person and that they could manage to yet persevere. So it really is, you know, they could make it into a movie or whatever if, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. So I'm sitting here back and forth, like all afternoon, rotating between sadness, like on the verge of tears and like anger and just, but it's, it's, it's worth it. So, um, yeah, that's my uh, real upward note to talk. We'll, we'll, we're going to keep it on a downward trend for at least one more I was going to say, how are you going to transition, John? No, we're, gonna, <laughs> we're keeping it. We're, we're going from, we're going from real problems to like first world problems, <laughs> the cancellation of E3. Yeah. Like something yeah. that means a lot to something that's meaningless. Uh, E3 is canceled. But, you know, in context, E3 has been around a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been has been an important venue for developers to get word about, about their games and for the industry to see what's coming next. And mm-hmm. it's officially done, at least for the year. Are we sad about it? Are we surprised? Do we think it will come back? I'll be honest with you. I forgot it was even happening. <laughs> 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 um, that entire industry has had such an upheaval in the last three years that the fact that E3 had to cancel, it doesn't surprise me at all. It, it, it's the world has gone so digital so quickly mm-hmm. in the last two years that having these massive conventions, you know, like I, do get me wrong. If it was, I would love to go to E3. Like yeah. I used to, I used to love E3 yeah. when I was younger. Um, you know, it's, you'd always be like, Oh, you know, what's the next big thing? What's going to happen? Da, da. Um, but now like the, the fact that they can do these elaborate digital state of the game or state of the play or state of the company type programs now, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of eliminates this need. Like what, what is E3 really bringing to the, to the table anymore than maybe a, a hands-on demo? But you can re- you it allows you to reach such a wide audience, such a such a broader audience, such a larger audience um, in a digital era than the what, 20, 20,000 people, 30,000 people you can pack through E3 in a matter of what three days? Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess mean, I don't know to, to follow that. Um, I am also, I am surprised and not surprised. I am not surprised that in-person event was canceled. I'm a little surprised that there's no digital showcase. Like, even a pared-down version of something feels, feel. I mean, not like, I'm not shocked. I'm not like, my God, what is happening? But I'm a little like, oh, okay, so... Does this mean we're canceled for 2022? Are we canceled forever? Are we going to like have a massive revamp in a couple of years and like a big like 
we're bringing E3 back. Like, isn't it exciting? And this is our way to like kind of reintroduce it, you know? So yeah. Um, I'm not really sure what it means. I'm like I said, I'm a little surprised that there isn't some sort of like digital showcase happening or digital event. Um, and a little sad, but ultimately not shocked overall. I mean, the, the thing is that, or you say, Tony? Sorry. Sorry about that. I, I was going to say that the, so the, the conspiracy theorists, like part of, part of me that kind of just wants to get a wick here. When you're, you're saying stuff like that, they're like, oh, well, they didn't have a, a digital, like, after show or whatever. Like, they, they didn't have a, a way to move it to a digital platform. It's like, okay, well, the last three years should have told you to maybe have that in, in, in the bag. But I was looking online because I saw this in, in John's notes, and I was like, wow, I can't believe they canceled. But they didn't specifically say why it's been right. canceled. And part of me is starting to think that they're going to try to spin it that it's possibly COVID-related. They I already did. Think, I don't think it is. I don't think it is at all. I think it has everything no, to do that. He's I, been struggling. I don't think they can, they can justify it. I think the cost is too much. Um, I think if you're in an economy that's in is going through an inflation period, gas prices are insanely high. Plane tickets are insanely expensive right now. Uh, mm -hmm. Bookings for hotels, all these things. So visitors are probably all taking that into consideration. They're like, what am I really getting out of this, right? Um, and I think on top of that, you probably have companies pulling out of E3, mm -hmm. and so they're they're trying to cover this whole thing as, oh, it's just another pandemic-related issue when I, I don't I don't think and there's any sign there pointing to that's that's the real reason why. Yeah. E3 has been, you know, there's been rumors for years that is E3 done? Is it going away? Is it, you know, because to my understanding, it costs a lot to be there. You mm -hmm. want to be a vendor, you want to show up, it costs a lot. And what are they getting out of it? So for a smaller developer, some of the smaller con conferences make sense because they need to network. You know, bigger companies, they don't necessarily need to network in the same way. It's nice and they have fun doing it. People have mm -hmm. fun going but from a business sense. What do what does E3 offer? What does that group offer mm -hmm. that anyone can't do themselves? Microsoft has the Microsoft theater. They can go and hold their own event if they want. Mm -hmm. They don't have to spend the money to hold the event. Everybody just, you know, they all all the teams put together. They're whatever they're working on, whatever is ready to show, they come up with a reel anyways that gets just shown on screen, on stage, anyhow. Like it's just right. It, there's it's not for a need, it's just because it was fun and nice and got people excited. You know, mm -hmm. it got people excited about gaming. Well, how much is that worth? And you can still generate excitement for things online, set the premiere. Everybody can watch it, you know. It is Jeff Keel is still going to do his stuff, I'm sure, you know. Mm -hmm. But he has he has a lot of connections, and he uses this as an ad, you know. He's using it as one big ad. He he has the friends. I don't know. Jeff is probably not charging to get stuff shown there. People probably want to bring it to his event and have things. It's like the Game Awards. They want the they want the promotion there. They have a good connection. Sure. It feels like a win-win. They're not charging hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever it is for their booth and to set up some elaborate 
you know, display. I remember Nintendo being there, you know, and the Breath of the Wild's coming out and they have a whole big thing you can walk through and it's really cool, but that's obviously very expensive. And does it generate mm-hmm. more sales for the few people that to get to go see it? Probably not. Well, it's, you know, and it, you, you bring up a couple of good points. One, one is the networking. And I think I think networking has changed because I mean half the time now you just you just shoot an inner office email through Outlook because you're owned by Microsoft, so you can network with anybody you want. Um, that's like part of it, right? You got these big umbrella corporations that buy all these different companies. You want to network? Right. Oh, cool. Call Jim in accounting. He has a cousin that works over in you know <laughs> whatever studio. Um, but I think the 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 other big part of this is. Uh, Take, for example, that the company that I admire for how well they've been able to do these product releases and these types of showcases during the digital era is, is Apple. I mean, I, let's just, mm-hmm. Apple did an, has done an unbelievable job at mm-hmm. platform, you know, new computers, new product launches, whatever. Instead of doing like this in-person demo and in-person state, they just have a video and it's mm-hmm. really well shot and it's really well made and it's really well done. And I love it. I love sitting down for an hour and watching that because it's just high production value. It probably didn't cost them a ton of money to do that because they did it all in-house. Yep. Yeah, you don't have to worry about this on-stage blunders, the awkward, bringing the awkward people on to talk in front of a, an audience and you have, <laughs> you know, teleprompter issues or they're like, clearly they've never worked Bobby's on this in their the life. Sweats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Should have had that pastrami on rye for lunch. (laughs) You know, obviously there's something to live and and being there. Like if you were there in the the audience when Keanu Reeves comes out to talk about cyberpunk, that would be cool. Of course Mm -hmm. it's cool, you know. But uh, but yeah, it's... I like how they quoted that in the the article I read. They were like, it's not like when Keanu Reeves came up and talked about (laughs) cyberpunk. I'm like, yeah, let's dig up that. Let's dig up that wound, man. Not a wound. That was awesome. What are you talking about? No, that was an amazing. I mean, just the release of Cyberpunk. The release of Cyberpunk was an utter disaster. It was like No Man's Sky, but somehow worse. I won't get into it. (laughs) We could be here for a long time. I'm pushing all John's buttons tonight. Tech blackout. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the tech. Uh, Mm-hmm. Oh, no more Tony. <laughs> oh, bummer. Well, something that is coming in the in the near future here is not been canceled, and shocking that it is returning. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe E three will do this someday, but uh, right now the turn is of Devil is a part Devil is a part timer. Yeah, anime show that came out seven years ago or more. I forget what it is. It's, it's it was a, a long very time. long time ago. Mm-hmm. I watched it recently. I know you'd watched it, Andrea, long before that. Mm-hmm. And um, the cliffhanger it ends on is shocking. Just mm-hmm. like, really? That's that's where you're going to leave it? Yep. And then everybody just loses hope that they're going to make another season. And here it is, coming in July. Lo and behold, that's right. How many years later? So hope hope exists out there. Yeah. Your favorite thing could always come back. Yep. We'll just hope that it's a good... I mean, they've had seven years. It better be good. Right. <laughs> or I'm saying seven. It's at least seven. I don't know what it, the Yeah, the it, time it honestly could be longer. Because I, yeah. I can't hardly even remember when I watched it now. 
Yep. So many, but you know, I thought it was September today. So, you know, don't, yep. don't trust anything I have to say about time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, gaming to anime and then let's make our move into Disney. We're going to yes, be talking Disney do. stuff, uh, for the rest of the show here. Um, Disney plus that's, um, we're adding in censorship to this or alterations, or we want to look at it. I think it was last week we talked about how they, so for those that don't know, the Marvel Netflix shows left Netflix and made mm -hmm. their move to Disney plus. Mm -hmm. And some people were like, wow, those are much more adult shows. That's a little surprising. I wonder if they're going to alter these things or not. If they're going to take some things out or whatever. Well, we saw one example, and these these are not announced examples. They are found, so mm -hmm. I think that's something to note. They're not uh, making this like, "Hey, we're changing this because you know we're proud, and you know you won't care." Um, mm -hmm. It's they're just doing it. So the last one was um, what it was with Falcon and Winter Soldier. A couple yes. changes, very odd, like removing blood in one from a minor character mm -hmm. that dies. And then some weird thing where a person kind of gets like impaled by a pipe or something like that. And they sort of cut the frame short. Yes. Um, yeah. This now is removing a um, tribute to Stan Lee from the Punisher. And uh, so that's an interesting one. A lot of shows yeah. have either a Stan Lee cameo or reference mm -hmm. or something. And so in the Punisher, they've now taken out their little bit uh, about Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure what's going on here. These these don't seem to be tied together in any sort of logical fashion. You know, like there doesn't seem to yeah. be like a logical rhyme or reason to taking out violence, taking out a tribute to Stanley. Yeah, it's like it's not like, oh, we're gonna remove all nudity or right. sex from these or some, right, you know, exactly. some specific Nobody Nobody's going to die. We're going to like imply, right. <laughs> but we're not going to like let yeah. anybody actually die. Yeah. You know so what I mean? Punisher like, is a lot shorter now. <laughs> <laughs> the Punisher is, is a couple cutscenes, and yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm not really sure what's going on because I was reading the, the article and it said they took out a tribute somewhere else. It wasn't to Stan Lee, but it was to somebody else from yes. Luke Cage, well, I think. What mm -hmm. was the tribute though? Like, what was he doing? I don't, I so, don't know. So this one here, this is according to comicbook.com um, that I have here. So um, fans have noticed Disney plus has edited another one of yep. Marvel shows while the content itself remains unaltered. One moment in the Punisher season two has been changed to remove mention of Stan Lee. Released shortly after Lee's death, the season finale of the show's second and final season dedicated a moment in the late Marvel icon shortly dedicated moments to the late Marvel icon shortly before its credits run. Um, the slide, which read in loving memory of Stan Lee, is absent from the finale. Instead, mm -hmm. the credits just pick up after silence. So it wasn't like him in there or something or like it was literally just a screen. Yep. In memory of Stanley. Said, right. Yeah. That's it to me. I, it's like shouts a major disapproval of a sh their 
a show that they just put on their own service. Right. That they don't want Stanley's name attached to it. Disney's 100% going through a a, a, a crisis right now. A weird identity. But like because, a weird crisis. Yeah. Like what are these? It's a crisis they brought on themselves. Right? Like, like they didn't nobody asked them to do this. They just decided no. to do it because you know, so that, that this I was waiting. I was waiting for something like this to happen, right? Because they come out with Disney Plus. Now, full disclosure, I love Disney Plus. Like I do. Like I just I love it. it you can get I can relive my childhood. I can Absolutely. see the new Pixar's. I can see, you know, Star Wars and Marvel and all that. I mean it's it's endless. But at the same time, Disney has this connotation and, and they've always prided themselves on having this connotation of mm-hmm. being the family company. Right? They're you know, they're the the company of magic, of wishes, of happy endings, storybooks, all that type of stuff. But they've built an empire, right? Over the last what, fifteen years of not just Disney, they have some of like the largest, most well known IP on the planet. Mm-hmm. And it's not kid friendly IP. I mean it's mm-hmm. It's kid-friendly in the sense of, you know, we grew up with it, right? We grew up with Star Wars. We grew up with, with Marvel. Right. Um, but to John's point, you're bringing in Marvel stuff and Star Wars stuff that's not kid-friendly. And you're hosting it on a platform where I can watch M- Mickey's Funhouse Christmas special <laughs> and The Punisher <laughs> next to each other on the same streaming service. Yeah, that's a that's a contradiction of ideologies right there. So, you know, I noticed it big time when all of a sudden I have to I don't know if I like accidentally child locked my own account, but I have to put in a pin now every time yeah. I log in um, to get in. And and part of me is like, yeah, because what, what are you expecting to have happen now? Because, you know, that they're, they don't want to keep they want to keep making these good marbles. They can't keep making marvel pg stuff it's mm-hmm. been pg-13 for a while yeah it yeah it's it's always been a you know yeah it's absolutely been a growing thing it you know it stems what would you do what would you do you're, you're you're disney and you're in a good position you're making lots of money and you have a dying marvel at your footsteps begging to be saved what do you you're like well boy they have a lot of stuff look at all the things we could do what do you do you know pick them up you take them in take them in house that makes sense and then you start building that you know your empire expands and you know then george lucas has a lapse in all good judgment and uh once again and sells his ip to disney uh, I, yeah, right. What are you going to do? And it, it's part of the reason why in my mind, we have so consistently one note. And that's why I like, I'm, I'm super bo- getting super bored with Marvel stuff. Cause it's just one note. It's, mm-hmm. it has to be a certain tone, a certain family friendly, a certain, it can't go too far. Mm-hmm. You know, it's obviously not appropriate for like, you know, like a, like a Mickey would traditionally be for a four year old or something like that necessarily. Mm-hmm. But there's a line, but there is. Yeah. And so, yeah. What do you do? I, I, to me, it's like, if emit 
that you're you're a multifaceted company now that mm-hmm. has things that were going to be both tailored specifically to children and things that are going to be family oriented and things that are going to be more adult oriented and you mm-hmm. segment those things in Disney Plus you can have sections you know you can make like it every more other streaming clear. service like yeah. every other streaming service yep. exactly and i think <laughs> you know you're, it's, it's just no go ahead no 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 you go finish your thought i'll go after you we're just going to get a lot a lot go. more bland <laughs> just going to have a lot more bland it's going to be all vanilla it's going to be all uh when it can't you know mm-hmm. it's got to fit into one a specific bracket we're going to have things that are both in turn less family friendly and things that are in turn not designed for adults and it's just going to be somewhere in the middle and it's all going to be that right and i here here's here's um Here's where I, I kind of stand on this issue is I, I actually would take the side of Disney and say this this is this is actually not on Disney to to police their stuff. They shouldn't have they should not have to police their own streaming service. If if I give you a streaming service and, and it's got Marvel and Star Wars and The Simpsons, I, mean, I wasn't even allowed to right, watch Alan. The Simpsons as a kid. Right. Simpsons, yeah. You know, right. all these. Same. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the giving kids it were to too you. much of a brats. Like, you know, every time Bart does something, and parents you have to say, "Hey, you can't do that. Hey, you can't do that. That kid would be in trouble." You know, like you can't talk back like that. It, like every time, you know, it's not whatever. But it's on the parents. Like that, that, that. There's a there's a weird sentiment going around. I don't know why this all of a sudden got dropped. But if I if it's if it's on me as a parent, right, to understand, I have a streaming service. It's Disney. That doesn't inherently mean that everything on that streaming service is okay for my child to watch. But if you give me the controls, right, I'm not asking you to, like, remove blood or remove my ability to see a dude getting impaled by a pipe, which is awesome. And I'm sure when my kid turns 13, he's going to, or she, you know, when I have one, you know, he's going to probably love watching somebody get impaled by a pipe because it's going to be an action movie, right? But until that time, yeah, put a passcode. Put 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 that rating on there like every other streaming service, like mm-hmm. Andrea said, and just let me put a, a login in there, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's this is not something where I have to cater what I make to reach the broader audience, right? Mm-hmm. The the uh, was it the amalgamation of what everyone likes but no one likes? Yep. Yep. I've ranted about that too much, so I won't start now. No, Andrea, it's it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm I'm gonna like wrap up some some thoughts here. I think um, for one, I I agree with Tony. There's no because there's no magical way that Disney could or should have to have a service where parents can just log their kids in and all content is fair game because no parent in the history of the world has ever agreed that like. You know, their two-year-old can watch, you know, Mickey Mouse and their two-year-old can watch like a Marvel movie or like even like a, a cartoon like Gargoyles. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's on Disney Plus. It's a cartoon like it's on Disney. It's not Marvel. It's not like blood and guts. But like, I'm not I'm also like my two-year-old probably shouldn't watch that. Maybe I'll wait till they're five. So there's no 
concept of a Disney Plus that should or ever could be made for kids of all ages. There's no like blanket, whatever. So start from that viewpoint and just be like, yep, cool. Like parents can decide and we'll let them like put a lock on, you know, whatever they decide. So I just, I I find that the concept of like Disney trying to be Disney and like be everybody's like conception of, of Disney ridiculous. So just don't try. Um, otherwise what's, what's the point in, in acquiring these properties? Like you're just setting yourself up for failure. Um, I, I find this, this like censoring that they're doing entirely illogical because there's no through line to censoring like a guy dying and getting shot and blood and whatever, somebody getting impaled on a pipe to removing a tribute to Stan Lee and removing a tribute to somebody who worked on the production of Luke Cage. It doesn't make sense to me. Like there's no, you know what I mean? Like if I was going through and saying like, I need to clean up these shows, what's my through line and what's my logic from like impalement and death to tributes to people who have actually died. So whatever. Yeah. all All I'm saying is like, whatever, whatever, censoring is happening here there's no logic to it so like why are we doing it well i I like what they did originally because they had like steamboat willie and dumbo right and those were you know disney movies from way back in the what like the 60s 70s 50s you know that that era um and cartoons like from way back in the era like 20s and 30s like the era is back then um you know before we were born yeah they they were not anywhere near what would be considered appropriately correct or appropriate in today's day and era but what disney originally did is they acknowledged that they said hey these there's stereotypes or there's imagery in these movies or in these cartoons that were acceptable when they were made, but we look back on and and we rather use it as a way to shine a light on these issues than to cover them up. Mm-hmm. It's like perfect. That's a perfect. That's a logical response to that mm-hmm. thing, to that to that situation, right? You're not going to go back and re-edit Steamboat Willie. Out of, it, basically, you'd have to make the entire thing one. I don't even think you could make Steamboat Willie. <laughs> You could literally just make Mickey Mouse like <laughs> steer a steamboat. <laughs> that's it. That's, and that's the scene. three second clip. And <laughs> it's like, but they they acknowledge that. I I'd have more yeah. respect for Disney to say, we are we are providing you with some really really good that's entertainment, it. but it's on you to recognize that there are themes and there are. Uh, imageries in these Marvel movies and these Star Wars movies and these, you know, more older kid cartoons than maybe you want your mm-hmm. three-year-old watching, you know? So just be a parent. Right. Yeah. Communication. I mean, every, everything is... Disney's ever made isn't, isn't just like, there's, there's no, I think, agreed upon definition of Disney where you could show everything that they've ever made, even things that they consider like kid appropriate to all ages, like literally all ages. 
Do you know what I mean? There are certain things that they have made that I feel like people have agreed to and they've sort of latched onto and spread the idea that like these core few things that like all ages can watch is Disney. And that's their most successful because the most ages can watch them. But that doesn't mean that like that is the essence of who they are. That's not their like sum total. And I think we just need to move past that. Everyone still has yeah, the idea it's just, that they're Snow White. They're not Snow White right, anymore. Right. It's just what and they even want Snow White is like scary. Though. Like I'm sure like really a two scary. or three year old, like that that whole scene where the witch is like climbing up the mountain and the dwarves are like chasing after her. Like in the in the storm and the lightning, and she's like, bah, 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 and then she like falls to her death. Like that's probably some scary shit to a three year old. Like I, I don't know. I might wait. Gumbo. I, I know. I can't even. As as a thirty three year old, when I can't that whole watch circus Gumbo. comes down. Oh man. <laughs> no yeah. man. It's I know. So... I know. It's I can't. I think it's because I was just traumatized watching that as a kid. It freaked me out. I know. See, that's what I'm saying. Like. There, there. Even though it's Disney, like there's still a certain age level where it can traumatize you as a kid, mm-hmm. and it's considered like child appropriate. So just like everybody should just give up the notion that Disney is just like blanket child appropriate. Yep. It all comes back to what you originally said, Tony. That they're in a, they have in a crisis of identity right now. Like yep. they want to be able to use the idea that that. They've put out there themselves for many, many years. They've cultivated they're it. Fam- yeah, absolutely. They, and they support that idea. We're the family-friendly company um, where, where magic lives. And it, a lot of companies could avoid a lot of issues if they just communicated and were honest with their consumer base. Just say what well, we are, like admit that it's okay, you know, like admit these things. It's all right. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't want to let that go. They don't want sure. to let that go. And then in the meantime, everyone's going to call them out for anything extra egregious. Mm-hmm. And they frankly deserve it. So they get their their ship straightened out. I don't know. To, so. Uh, so it feels like it feels like we're all like on a Disney should should get over itself moment here. Um, to wrap this up on a lighthearted note, I noticed in that article, there was a sentence that like Hollywood trades suggested that the Falcon and Winter yes. Soldier edits were a technical glitch. Does anybody buy that? I don't anybody? know. I don't, I, I, what a technical They're glitch so of an specific. intern. An intern is a technical glitch. There's some <laughs> stupid intern went in and <laughs> removed all the blood effects from this scene. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah. Like two specific glitches like that. I mean, come on now. I feel I it's know. like. Uh, I feel like it's also that, like a let's run with it and like see if anybody believes it. No, okay, all right. It was here, here's the thing that people <laughs> gotta realize now. We're not. I, I I don't want to insult a bunch of people, but I'm going to. We're not our parents. We're not boomers. Like, if you say that, if you say that somebody who didn't grow up with technology, who doesn't right. understand how this stuff works, they'll be like, oh yeah, it makes sense. There could be there could be a yeah, and there and that a, could be a sense fine. of believability there. Yeah, for right. us, we're yeah. like Yuki. I could I could totally goad my mom into believing that. 100%. And that's not on her. She just she's just not technically apt. And that's right. fine. But to say that to us, I'm like <laughs> that's insulting to say that to a generation that grew up 
with techno like that's this is right. all our entire childhood is this right so don't sit right there tell me about that technical that. glitch yeah like, what happened well <laughs> in fairness and that's true who is who's going to be paying attention to the hollywood trades it's i know i just people our age it will be the boomers so it's gonna yeah. be well the so. that's just like the fact that it's like slipped in an article like this is just like yes yeah. We were uh, we had some technical problems uh, passing the mainframe through the bitrate to the to the matrix. It's like, <laughs> you don't know anything about computers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, All right. Steve went unplugged well, the server. We've talked a lot about about Marvel already. We're gonna talk about Moon Knight yet. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna skip over the Doctor Strange thing unless someone has something big to say about it. I other than um, like, the Moon Knight thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I want to dive in right into Moon Knight. The only thing I want to say about this Doctor Strange trailer is that I was, um, and spoiler-ish alert, I guess. Um, the trailer? I well, I mean, you know, just in case nobody's seen in it. In case you don't so. watch the trailer, sure. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, if you if you totally want to go into Doctor Strange being surprised about anything, um, I I was surprised to see that Wanda's twins make an appearance in the trailer mm. um and so it it made me a little bit intrigued because um you know we've talked at length before i think about how the marvel tv shows are not meant to really inform the larger marvel movie universe you know you're supposed to be able to like carry on without them they're yeah. they're just like nice context so this this to me was kind of big i thought um and it and it gave me a little bit of hope for maybe tying some things from the TV series. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not like thinking they're going to reference the entire WandaVision show, but perhaps there are a few things that those of us who have watched and loved may, may see, may recognize. And I won't lie. I'm still, they're eternally hopeful for white gray vision to be somewhere. So. Okay. Just saying. Yeah. I was surprised to see I mean, the twins make an appearance. I, I think they'll do, you know, I think I think that's supposed to be the point is if you've seen the other shows, you will get those callbacks, you get those moments. It will mean more when you see them in the movies, but it won't be required. You just will like, oh, yeah. they'll explain enough that the, you know, they'll explain the it enough. The viewer will and, be like, oh. But you'll have more, it'll have more impact for you if you've seen mm -hmm. the previous content. Um. I I hope I hope this one's good. Of all the Marvel movies coming, this one is the one that should have the best chance of being good. I uh, my ultimate um you know cross my fingers is that they let Sam Raimi do enough Sam Raimi mm -hmm. to this movie. Uh, uh Marvel's not particularly Oh, that's invite in a new director you know like d obviously dc has their own problems you know but they invite in a director right. to make something like the joker or the batman or whatever and it can be radically different than something else like mm -hmm. here's your make your vision in a sense yeah it does, doesn't always yeah, happen but vision. there is some of that marvel doesn't really generally have that it's a very yeah. like this is what is kevin feige's vision and mm -hmm. what does the studio want to do and you're going to be our puppet to make that happen Mm -hmm. And so I hope he has enough free, had enough free reign to be able to make something that feels like a film he would make and make something a little different. I, I'm curious as to what Kevin's 
vision is. Um, so <laughs> watching, so let me let me let me kind of preface this with some context. So I'm watching Moon Knight. Um, I liked it. You know, I've, I've liked the first two episodes. Um, mm-hmm. But my problem with Marvel lately is um, a lot of us are, are getting a little marveled out. And, and I don't yeah. mean that in a bad sense. Like, I'll still watch Marvel stuff because I, I like Marvel. Um, I like the characters. You know, I grew up with the comics. But as an example, my, my wife's uh, uh, medical classmates, um, majority of them are actually in their early 20s. So they're they're ten almost ten to eleven years younger than us, and it's interesting to hear them you talk age about. Me. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's it's interesting to to see how they kind of talk about Marvel stuff because we grew up I and mean, we we grew up with this Infinity Arc. The Infinity Arc was mm-hmm. like that. That was when I was in high school. All the way through to when I was like twenty six years old, right? Or twenty? How many years? It's insane how long that was. Yeah, really, the college years for us, really. The college um, years into into young adulthood, right? And I I started watching it when I was in uh, high school. Was when I think uh, Iron Man came out, and so we came up in an era where box office and movie theaters were were still a thing. Like, we go, we get together as groups of our you know, little cliques that we had in high school and we'd go see the new Iron Man or the new Hulk mm-hmm. or the new Thor and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're in this era where streaming is so accessible and they can make these longer production runs like Moon Knight. Um, you know, they did it with the Mandalorian. They've done it with WandaVision. They've done it where they can make instead of a one, two hour movie, they can do eight, 10 hours of content for, for one character. And mm-hmm. so we grew up where it was kind of movie and then a movie and then a movie. And it was like, oh, what's coming next? Oh, how are they linked? Oh, and then all of a sudden, as we got older, it's like, oh, this huge thing unrolled. And it was this massive universe and everything's interconnected. And it grew up this end game, which was like this concophony of just majesty in this finalized mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. that encompassed 20 years of Marvel excellence. And it's just like and a pile of shit. <laughs> a pile of shit. Shut up, Tony. I, I like it. I, yeah, <laughs> Tony's black. I know you. Guys, I know you guys both liked it. <laughs> I did, but I think I think setting aside liking it or not liking it, there is something that you appreciate about the way that this was all planned. Like yes. having having come to the end of it and and seeing the inner linkage again. If you don't like like cogs in the machine, like fine. That's you know that's totally fair. But to be like, my God, the years of planning to do all of this, to release this, get the actors, get the people, get the storylines, get the teasers at the end, and then have it all culminate in this giant, like Tony was saying, like cacophony of amazingness of all these characters coming together. Like, again, regardless of the amazingness of the plot or the story or how you like it, all of these characters have come together in storylines that make sense for them all to be here. That is an amazing work of, you know, somebody's mind, but probably many minds as well, but yeah. all like driving this machine to get here. And so I, I wonder then moving forward that that's done. I mean, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. all right, we did it, man. I mean, we lived through it. <laughs> we got it. We're done. We, we don't need to have another one of these. 
But then Mar- I see them doing these things where they're doing Moon Knight and they're doing the mm-hmm. Eternals and they're doing Doctor Strange. It's like, are you trying to restart that process again where you're bringing mm-hmm. new characters in to create a team, to create another story arc, to mm-hmm. do all this stuff? Or what What are you doing right now? Because what I don't want Moon Knight to turn into is what Boba Fett turned into. Mm-hmm. Content. It was just content for the sake of content. And I was very disappointed in that. See, I'm very worried that we're in a phase of Marvel that is one giant sequel. Do you know Ooh. do you know what I'm trying to say? You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're they're doing they like you said, they did the thing, they lived through it, it was amazing, like they had a clear vision for the beginning to the end, and everybody was like holy shit, like, this is amazing. You've revamped superhero movies, like, for for good or ill, you've got a formula that's that's working. We're loving it. It's the same, but it's different enough, so everybody's happy. And now with the conclusion of Endgame, they're like, oh, that's only, you know, part one. Like, we've got a whole new thing. But this whole new thing is just more of the same, but not as good. In yeah, some... it seems disjointed. Like yep, it doesn't seem it's, as it's as not clear. the big plan. Yeah, so that's what leads me to feel like this this second phase is like a big sequel, and there are good moments, there are bright spots in this sequel, as there are usually in any sequel. But the overall effect is it's it's the same, but it's less. We kind of keep less waiting less. for it to to, to form right yeah we're kind of waiting yeah. for it, the formation to happen you know what's what's the the through line avengers that we're going to have what mm-hmm. is what is that what Who is, is our core threat? avengers where are yeah, they we keep waiting for this and thinking we're going to get it somewhere and we just get more tangents yep um so i have to read a, a bit of an article it's a news story that I kind of forgot about but it's directly related sure so um this is again comicbook.com um, and it is titled Endgame Director Speaks Out on MCU's Lack of Plan. Mm. So um, Marvel Cinematic Universe has been going strong for nearly a decade and a half now, and it's showing no signs of slowing down. The sprawling franchise continues to work because of because every new movie and TV show connects into the same ongoing story, a formula that no other franchise has uh, succeeded in emulating. It has always felt like there is a master plan over at Marvel Studios with Kevin Feige and the other producers planning the story out years in advance. According to Avengers Endgame director Joe Russo, that isn't actually the case. Russo, who has directed four MCU films alongside his brother Anthony, recently spoke at the Sands International Film Festival and explained that Marvel doesn't have a film, a firm plan in place for its future. Instead, Feige and the rest of the creative team simply have ideas in place. They have concepts as to where they want to go, but the results of the movies and shows they release really dictate on what happens next. Quote, no, the way it works at Marvel is, I'm sure at some point somebody will talk in detail about this, but part of Kevin's brilliance is that there isn't really a plan, Russo said. There is an idea, but you can't have a plan if the movie you're making tanks. There's no plan after that, right? So it's really about as the movie succeeded, then there was and there, then there was some sort of enthusiasm about, well, what else could we do? 
And then that's when new ideas would come out. The director continued and there were hopes and we hope one day we can get to a story if you keep doing this, right? Maybe we can all get there like Infinity War and Endgame, but a lot of stuff was made up in between the movies. So I don't, I think it is extremely bold of Disney to think they're ever going to get another Endgame. Yeah. Um, they won't. They're not going to. Especially just like if you don't will... plan for it. This, is, this isn't oh, yeah. shit that just you trip into and happens. Yeah. And it, it, it's the same vein of we will never have another Lord of the Rings trilogy put into to cinema. Like that. Oh, we're going to have it, it and it's going to suck. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to have it. You shut your mouth. <laughs> but on, but on that I level. I neither of those things. <laughs> but, but like when you, when you look at it though, the, the movies and the series that have shaped pop culture and have shaped cinema that fall into these realms is you have, you know, you have the original star Wars four, five, and six. Yes. Yep. I had to, get, I had to do the quick count in my head to make sure I said that right. Yeah, it was four, five, and six, um, which were huge sci-fi um, successes. You had the Lord of the Rings with Peter Jackson, which were, despite where your, your views lie on how true to the source material it is, was an astonishing feat of cinema. Um, in its own right, mm-hmm. and then you had the Marvel Infinity arc, with with the with the conclusion of Endgame. To to think that you can just make another cinematic Marvel as as on a scale as as some of those other movies by mm-hmm. we have ideas and if we do enough of them it'll form something. That's not how this works. That's well, not, it's, it's just not how it works. It's like the world's longest audience poll. Do you know what I mean? Like if this is real and they're like, we're going to see what works and what people respond to. This is like the world's longest, like throwing shit at the wall to see what audiences respond to. And then, okay, we finally have enough characters. Like, let's go build our next arc. Like, no, you've already tested too much shitty material on me and I, and I don't want it now. mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you've wasted my time with mediocre material. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm had, just like mad no, about this now. <laughs> I think we had their 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 moments. Obviously, everybody wants to recreate them, but so so often they're not recreated in the same thing. Someone else recreates the magic. Mm-hmm. Star Wars four, five, and six magical, like you say. Lord of the Rings filmed all those things, these epics, all at once over in New Zealand on location. Epic, amazing. You know, new effects company that put on the map. Yeah. And and then the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, what Russo is implying here to me is that this is what they have been doing. This is how they got to, to Infinity War. This is how they got to Endgame. But I think the magic that worked for them is that they happened to make mostly movies that were big successes. So they could keep going with their idea. They could keep fleshing this out. They could keep moving along. They didn't have to divert. They didn't have to say, well, that movie... Re- you know, like one of the few examples would be like, uh, you know, they run into problems with the Hulk or whatever. You know, some some movies that don't do quite as well are Thor. And then they think we need to reinvent Thor a little bit. They change it up. Mm-hmm. So they have a, a plan and they're, they are willing to change, but they put together the right talent to make movies that happens to all be successful. And so now they're trying the same 
attacked that that got them where they were before, but they're not putting together the right talent to make things that really land. And so they're a little bit lost now. Where do we go with their ideas? It's kind of like if you, if DC would be in a different place if every movie they made was a huge success and everybody loved it. They wouldn't have they wouldn't have to like shift. They could just keep going, keep the same Batman, keep the same Superman. Everybody be happy. They managed to get that in the Marvel universe for a while. And once with DC, once you something collapses, then they're like, well, shoot, now what do we do? We bat we we put everything on this. We put everything on this, and now it fell apart. Where do we go from here? And so it makes sense if Marvel's like, we're not putting all our weight on one foot ever. We're always trying to see what lands, mm -hmm. but they're not doing anything that really lands anymore. So they're rudderless. Where do we go now? Well, it's when they managed to make it land before. I'll, I'll say this. I think Moon Knight is the first original idea of a new phase um, that they've come out with in, in terms of introducing a new character. Um, if we look at what's come out, recently right so you had you had the conclusion of endgame and everyone's kind of in that you know smoking a cigarette kind of like oh, was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good and then they come back and they say okay well there's still there's still some loose threads right there's still some fan favorites that we we want to you know pay homage to so they 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 do a couple more spider-man movies and of course tom i, I love tom holland and i've, I've loved every spider-man really i mean honestly they've all they've all brought their own thing you can goof on them you know sam raimi's was uh, just, just so Raimi, it was insane. I loved, I loved Toby Maguire's version of that. Um, Tom Holland does a fantastic job capturing that Spider-Man. But he gets his, you know, and then of course Andrew Garfield. Um, I like his Spider-Man Two being a little bit more edgy and a little bit more mm -hmm. um, uh, down, down there, down to earth. So you have, you have this transition where you, you get it, you get the end of Spider-Man, right? He gets he No Way Home concludes Tom Holland's arc as to as to him being becoming spider-man right you introduced him at the late end of of the infinity arc he's done wandavision you introduced vision and wanda late end of this of the infinity arc they got their conclusion that's where that should have been right they shouldn't have led up to anything more um you know dr strange came in mid infinity arc played his big part they're using him now to kind of expand on this multiverse idea which is why i'm like okay if you want to play into this, we can try it, see how it works. I see where they're going with that. Um, but really, outside of that, they, and then they had the Eternals. I, I don't know what they were doing with that movie. Like, I didn't, it didn't hit for me. Like, I didn't understand why I should give a care about any of the the characters in that movie i didn't know where the arc was going with that movie they introduced like three different characters outside of the eternals in that movie which have yet to be talked about at all mm -hmm. since then and then you have moon knight and moon knight if i may <laughs> is actually catching my attention as something original yeah out I mean, let's get into it we get obviously yeah. throw in other things we want but let's get into moon knight uh we're running pretty long, so we won't belabor too much, but we do want to see what we're, you know, what what we all think about this show, if we're excited to continue and stuff of like that. So yeah, yeah, go ahead, Moon Knight. You want me to kick it off? Yeah, yeah, kick yeah it go off. for it. All right, I'll kick it off. Um, 
So I like it. And I, I like it because every kid inevitably has an Egyptian face. I don't, I don't care. You know, whoever it is, you always have this age where it's, it's got to be between the ages of like eight and 11, where it's like Egypt is the coolest thing on the planet. And it is like, honestly, it's like such an interesting culture. It's such an interesting yeah. uh, part of the world. Um, and so you have this like Egyptian phase and I think they're, you know, they, they kind of play on that, you know, it's a mystique, it's mysterious, it's, you know, they got all these gods that come into play, right? Which is unique for the MCU actually admitting that there's gods now here that mm-hmm. we've never talked about at all that have somehow Or Steve Rogers Peter. would be like, oh no. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's only no, one no, no. man and he doesn't dress like that. <laughs> nice Paul. Um, and so I think, you know, a couple of things I think in episode one, you know, stood out to me is, uh, it was very fight club esque in, in how they decided to kind of do this, this interaction, right? Like he's, you know, that they, he's having these jolts of, uh, you know, times passing and I, I don't know where I am. I don't know what's going on. And you kind of feel in the first part of this episode, disjointed where you start feeling a little like that character where you're trying to piece together. Okay. Is it, is it him? Is he a schizophrenic? Is he, you know, having what's going on here? Um, and I thought that was, that was really cool how they kind of portrayed that. And then they actually had consequences to it, which is in fight club. When you, you, you can never tell if there's actual passage of time in fight club. You can just tell mm-hmm. he's having these episodes. Whereas here they have an actual, like, yeah, he, had an episode he missed three days yeah like it's legit and there's consequences to him doing that and Mm -hmm. and his character now has to deal with that situation Mm um ethan hawk god i it's so funny because i just watched a movie from the 90s uh uh gattaca 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 oh okay yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. um and it's funny that you can still see, like, he looks older, but you're like, yeah, that's, that's Ethan, Ethan Hawke. Um, and it's, you know, the cult-like presence he had. I, the one thing I thought was hilarious is when he's walking through that, that crowd and people are like, I always, yeah. I always laugh because in my mind, that's not characters reaching out to this, you know, what Ethan Hawke character, that's just extras <laughs> trying to touch Ethan Hawke. <laughs> <laughs> I like that better. That tells a better yeah. story. <laughs> just extras trying to touch Ethan Hawke. That's all that, that scene was. You'd um, best believe if I was ever in an extra in a Dwayne Johnson, the rock movie, that would be me. It, whether oh, yeah. he's a cult leader or not. <laughs> I would want to be one of the just, extras that he has to like catch. Hell yeah. You know, it'd be like, oh, never let me go. <laughs> you and me have different wants and desires. It's only- <laughs> we, we dream different, John. Yeah. <laughs> Who's catching you, John? That's, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be, have to be caught. <laughs> it's okay to be vulnerable, John. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, um, we had talked briefly about Moon Knight episode one before, but I, mm-hmm. uh, oh, Alan's sharing a picture of Daniel Craig now. That's uh, his, uh, his <laughs> <clears throat> who he's saying is supposed to catch me. You back that up. I mean, is he wrong? Uh, 
I, I don't, I still don't want him to catch me. All right. I just, uh, I, I, the, the awkwardness would be really, I don't know. I, I don't know what I would you I, be I the extra do. who reaches out though. Just no, no, no? I, I just, no, I, I don't know who I, I don't know who I would be so overcome that I would decide to invade someone else's personal space that way. The, the reason I said that, by the way, is there's a scene in the hunger games uh, second one where she's walking through the crowd mm-hmm. uh, dressed up in district 13 or whatever district one or whatever it was. And there's just one hand that comes out and grabs her shoulder. And it's like blatant that that is not part of that scene. That is an extra <laughs> trying to touch Jennifer Lawrence. And that's why every time now I'm just like, that's an extra trying to touch the, <laughs> that's pretty great. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah. I, um, I'd agree a bunch of that with uh, with episode one. Yeah, I liked Ethan Hawke in there. Really mm-hmm. don't know about some of the special effects. Uh, we are kind of talking before about how maybe, you know, Disney does have all this money. It feels like they should be putting a little more into some of the effects. Has a chase sequence, there was a part that just looked kind of blatantly sped up or something. And uh, some weird things like that. But I ultimately kind of like appreciated the difference in tone a little bit. Really liked the music a lot. Thought mm-hmm. the music was a fun, a fun variation. Um, I think that acting wise, everybody was doing pretty well. Um, it did set my hopes up for what became so far a little bit of a disappointment. Like when we first reveal Ethan Hawke's character, he's you know taking a shot and breaking the glass and putting in his shoes to walk walk out. I was like, that's cool. That's pretty hardcore. I like the idea that feels that feels darker than what we would have traditionally here. So for me, that was setting a tone and an expectation. And the same with, um, you know, Moon Knight going and going a little crazy and then like seemingly killing a bunch of people or at least beating the hell out of them mm-hmm. um, when he's not aware. And so I was hopeful for a lot of those things. And in episode two, I feel like a lot of that didn't follow through then we we move back to lighter tone to we safer territory back, yeah we brought back humor when we saw the fight sequences we dealt with a creature we didn't deal with you know punching someone's face in um and then we you know people were likening it was going all on the internet when, when that first episode came out they were likening second episode and uh, to deadpool and mm. in uh mr knight in his suit and stuff being a little goofier. Look at these batons I have and all that kind of thing. And it was, again, the, they cannot resist instead of getting something that I'm hoping is like a dark gritty take on someone with multiple personality disorders, all of a sudden we're thrown into, uh, I don't know. We're going to deal with this bumbling in it for quite a while. He finally gets his suit on and now he acts to act like a jokester. And, Mm -hmm. um, so to me, it just like completely reversed tone. And uh, I think they're I really was, trying to psycho Colonel Sanders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I, I think I, I agree. I think it's too soon to say that's that's the way they're going to go with it. I think what they're trying to establish is the juxtaposition of in, in, between these two characters that you have the Moon Knight, which is Mark's character, right? That's what Mark mm-hmm. turns into. And then Steven, who you could tell is not, he doesn't understand, he doesn't have control, he doesn't, he, he, he's 
obviously lack of confidence, obviously lack of self-esteem, mm-hmm. um, lack of personal hygiene, by the way, because you, you actually never see him take a shower in any of these for some reason. He just gets up and goes to work, then like goes to Zurich and then comes back and goes to I'm like, you don't even remember what you're doing. Anyway, um, so, you know, I, I think that's what they're trying to establish here. And I think as I, what I'm what I'm hoping happens is as it goes on, we revert to a development a character development of of steven learning how to switch in between the two when it's appropriate mm-hmm. what do you think andrea yeah i i i'm i'm kind of struggling with moon knight because there are elements that i that i am enjoying um and there there are elements that i'm not and i think what it's really coming down to for me is time i get when when marvel releases these like limited series i get really anxious about time especially when they have something like this where it's like six episodes that is not a lot of time to do stuff and i feel like the first two episodes wasted some of my time especially when we're talking about like episode two sort of reverting to very like safe marvel like humor and you know, it's, oh, it's not as bad. We're fighting creatures. Like, I felt like a lot of this kind of wasted my time where at the end of episode two, I was like, I have a lot of questions going on right now. Like, how on earth if, you know, I'm I'm just being introduced to Mark, who is the Moon Knight, who is, you know, Khonshu's avatar, who's bringing justice, um, who is apparently a mercenary on the edge of death and Kanchu saved him. But like, why did he like, how did he do it? Like, how did he put him into Steven's body? Why Steven's body? Like, how, like, is he really a person? Is, it- is he like, you know, does he really, is he like, you know, Steven's some long lost twin out there somewhere? Did he look like Steven? Or is this just like a facet of his soul resides in Steven's body? And like, do you know what I mean? I have so many questions right now that I'm not sure are going to be answered in in six episodes because we're already a third of the way through the series. And I feel like this funny humor time that was partially amusing I mean, you know, you you do need a bit of like levity to break things up sometimes. I just feel like it was maybe dragged on like a little bit too long and that that's wasted time that could have been moving this plot forward. Well, is it by the way, is it Steven's body or is it Mark's body? Cuz his wife recognizes him. Right. As so Mark. that's that's part of my question. Well, like, it's both of them though. With a multiple well, personality, it's both people's body, you know. But is it just a but is it just a multiple personality because like Mark was on the edge of death and was a mercenary somewhere? Does like is is that a life that like Steven lived and he just doesn't remember it? Like, if so, how does he have a whole backstory? You know what I mean? How does he have a mom that he thinks he grew up with? Like, is that his mom? Is that Mark and Steven's mom? Like, does she know Mark? Does she know Steven? Like, I mean, we only know. Right, I know. But you know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm I'm just not sure like how these pieces fit together. And I would really love some of that to be explained. And I feel like we're already third of the way through this series. So am I gonna get these explanations? And also we have to, you know, go fight Amit's justice priest cult leader avatar 
Yeah. So yeah. I, so I'm, I, I, of, I like yeah. elements of the show. I just feel like I'm already anxious that like there's not enough time to do everything that they want to do and I want them to do. Sure. I, a lot of my complaints mm-hmm. come down to still the way it's, you know, I don't know, the tone. It, it, it's still, when I think of like a path- pathetic character, I think of like um, Joaquin Phoenix in Her or um, mm-hmm. the guy in that rat movie. Um, I forgot what that one's called. He's like, has all the rats following him around and stuff like that. Uh, it's the guy, he's in Back to the Future and Charlie's <laughs> Angels and stuff. Um, whatever. Yeah. Which Charlie's um, Angels? The, oh, he plays the, the dude that rips the girl's hair off and like smells it in Charlie's oh, Angels. Oh, Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. Yes. Thank you. Okay. He's a fantastic actor. Yes. Right. Okay. 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 All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm catching up with you now. Okay. Alan says also in Gattaca. <laughs> um, but Gattaca? even even when we talk about um, multiple personalities, I think a show that's so as ridiculous as Doom Patrol in season one <sighs> did better so okay. far with the emotionality of multiple personalities. Or in the video game I played, Hellblade, sending was Saga. The it, like there's a reality. And a sadness um, that a depression that can be conveyed with this. And in, I've, I thought they were going with a more genuine take and making something potentially very serious and impactful. And I don't think it's Oscar Isaac's fault because I saw no. him I saw him in uh, in uh, Ex Machina amazing he's just an amazing actor he can he can really that's perform a, that's a trip it's, of a movie dude it's a great mm-hmm. movie and you can be scared of him and think he's he's a terrible person or whatever and we're just not getting that kind of back and forth here mm-hmm. like and even Kanchu, what's scarier like the mummy from the 90s you know imhotep coming after you he's gonna suck the your soul out or whatever dry you up Mm-hmm. or Kanshu, who is just kind of there and can't interact with you anyways. You know, it's like, I Kanchu just... Kanshu is like feel, all bark and no bite. He looks yes. baller and does mm-hmm. nothing. He's, it's... He looks they, so good, There's moments where I think, like, when he's running down the hallway and the lights are flashing and stuff like that, so that's kind of cool. But then immediately have to, be like, he has to be crazy in the corner, and the woman's like looking at him odd. I, I lost a contact. Immediately, they have to bring the humor into it. It can't just be scary and something dark. It has to. It, I, I'm just so tired of it. Moon Knight is really cool. He mm-hmm. seems so cool. We just got the Batman, okay? And Moon Knight is like Batman in Marvel world. And the Batman is dark as hell. It's something different. It feels gritty. You know, when I'm more enthralled, I mean, people make fun of him. I shouldn't, but Robert Pattinson or whatever, or I'm more scared of the Riddler by that dork. You know, like it's, they're doing something wrong here. They're not giving me the Moon Knight that I definitely was hoping for. We're getting, what's that? So you're, you're like, you're more scared of Robert Pattinson and you're more scared of Paul Dano, the Riddler, than Moon Knight or Khonshu or both. I'm saying, I'm so, uh, yeah, I, I conflated the two. I'm more impressed <laughs> by Robert Pattinson and I believe his 
him more than I believe Oscar Isaac here. Okay. And I, and as far as fear, Kanchu or any of the darker elements, mm -hmm. I am more terrified by Paul Dano's Riddler than what mm -hmm. we're getting here. It feels like they took it more seriously than sure. the kind of joke they sometimes make it here. Mm -hmm. I just, it's always this, yes, Willard. That's what I was thinking of, Alan. Thank you very much. So, hey, look, I get it. They're not making this for me. Mm. They're making it for mass audiences. Mm -hmm. I wanted a Moon Knight that was more akin to Batman mm -hmm. and not, it, there's less humor in Batman the Animated Series, a typical episode, than there is in these couple episodes. Mm -hmm. That's true. As someone I'm who's just, been watching it, that's true. Exactly. Watch the episode so, with Man, with Man Bat or with a, a guy made of mud. It's more disturbing and mm -hmm. scary than what we've got in Moon Knight. Mm -hmm. And it's pathetic. I, I am going to disagree about believing Oscar Isaac less because I actually think Oscar Isaac, I believe Oscar Isaac. I just don't believe his material. Sure. Do you know what, I, you know what I'm saying? It, it I think be a tough distinguishing thing. Yes. Yeah. I think he yes. is doing the hell out of some, some okay material. I'm not going to yeah. say it's even bad. It's not bad. It's, it's just right. not probably living it up to its potential. I think he is doing like the best he can. And I think it's, it's pretty damn good. It's a execution on, on C writing. Yeah. Yep. Wonderfully put. Yeah. Cause I, th I think there's, there's, like moments of great potential that aren't leading to great payoff. Like you said, John, there's, there's leading us down a path of this is going to be darker. This is going to be scary. And then it's just ends up being like semi humorous. Yeah. Right. Yep. It's either humorous or semi. And, and there's moments like when he is talking to himself in the mirror and he smashes the mirror. That's pretty good. Oh, at know? the end of two. Like that's a good moment. You know, and he's starting getting into some, Again, a little more of the drama between the two and the difficult situation that he's in. Mm -hmm. You know, he's prominent promised that, you know, his alter ego is not going to get in the way for Conchu's goal. And and they allude to they want to take his wife to uh, replace him should mm -hmm. he like step out of line um, too much. So, which is you know, so just like, oh, why? Of course, we have to have stakes. <laughs> why does it have to yeah. be her? Right. I I, yeah. I want them to play on this internal mental struggle that yeah. he has. And I don't want what I what I hope they have is a scene where he's in public and he's and it's Steven and Mark having an argument with each other and trying to take control. And you see it from the perspective of somebody who's not yeah. part of this, seeing this guy almost have a mental breakdown. That, yeah, they're they're giving us almost that in these first almost. couple of episodes. Like it's obviously when he like first meets Ethan Hawke, I, I forget where they are in in Europe. Zurich? I think yeah, I said Zurich because it's somewhere in the Alps and I'm like, Some, oh, yeah, right. Looks like um, but it could be like South Bavaria. Yeah. So so you obviously see him like, you know, being like, Oh, here do you want the scarab and his arms just like freaking Oh, it's so but good. It's done I just in a like, funny manner, right? It is, it's, but I also like 
there was there was a moment of like it's funny, but I also just like respected the hell out of Oscar Isaac doing sure. it because I just felt like that is so hard to look that good and that like astonished at your body to make it be purposeful and not purposeful. Sure. Well, um, and that, that so like fit. What? Sorry. Um, that that humor though that John we were talking about her that 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 moment was like funny. Moment. Yeah. Right. The one um, you were talking about where he's like getting backed up and all of a sudden he's in the elevator. That was like a jarring cut to something different. Yeah. So I I feel like that the first part there was, you know, us watching him like and Mark struggle a little bit, but we didn't know who Mark was yet. And then we have this second episode where like. Steven's like, oh, the suit, the suit. Okay, I'm in the suit and I'm sort of the Moon Knight and I'm looking at myself slash Mark in the bus window and these tourists or other just like general bus riders are watching me have an argument with myself and also an invisible creature. Like, it was almost like really cool and creepy and people were like, what is this? There's nothing there. He's just a fancy drunk. Like, you know, it was, it was an almost cool moment, but again, it was treated with humor. Like he's a fancy drunk. I, I guarantee you whatever scene they try to do with that, the CGI character of Gollum talking back to himself and arguing Gollum and Smeagol will be better. <laughs> we'll be treated with more seriousness and will be more impactful uh, than whatever they put in this show. Guaranteed. Yeah, but that's that's a master class in voice acting. Do it. Like well, you have all yeah, the money. They have the actor to do it. Like Oscar Isaac can do it. He can do I, it. Yeah. I, I don't doubt that he can't do it. Yeah. You know? They probably could, yeah, given the given the space. I, I want them and I, and I was reading Andrea notes uh with uh uh the boss, right? This this Yes, you know Donna the, the, the pure contrast that they're trying to show between how steven's character is viewed by other people like the security guard never remembers his name his <laughs> boss always talks down to him you know nobody just takes like, him seriously just like on the saddest smallest power trips ever i know like, you're on inventory like remember <laughs> you're on inventory like oh my god the, the small power you wield is so sad and I, I want there to be a scene where where Mark comes back and just lays into that woman, like I think that right. because it shows the like rebirth, yeah, the confidence cool. build that that this sure. character has had. That'd be good. Does he yeah. have enough time to do it? There are only four yeah. episodes left. I'm already worried. <laughs> is it is it yeah. official that there's only going to be Egypt. six? I I believe yeah. so. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Mm. I mean, Hawkeye was only six. Yeah, but once again, Hawkeye falls into that realm where I think that was just a homage to Hawkeye to show how he fared. His story needed to end. That's how they were mm -hmm. going to end it. I don't want to dive into Hawkeye because I was, there are uh, officially yeah. six episodes That's, in Moon Knight. Oh. I also like Hawkeye, but I also like have a crush on both those people in real life. So <laughs> Heather Poe and. Uh... Or Pug? Pug? What? What's her name? What's her name? Haley Steinfeld was the person. Well, Haley Steinfeld, but then the the short one that's Black Widow's sister, Pug, Pogue. Florence Pugh? Pugh, okay. <laughs> Harry Pug? What the? 
Oh my God. Suddenly I really feel great about my whole it's April, September slip up. Like, <laughs> Wait, thank you, I, I, I knew you were uh, talking about, but I didn't see yeah. Oh my God. I was actually Mary talking about Haley Steinfeld and Jeremy Renner, but. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, whatever. No, I'm just joking. Uh, don't no, be think... so heteronormative, John. God. God. <laughs> this is the guy who said he could be caught by the rock, okay? Yes, yep. Mm-hmm. That's right. No, I'm just, um, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm comfortable, and I'm comfortable with it. That's right. You yeah. go. No, you. I just, I just think, um, <laughs> you know, like I liked both those characters. I thought it was a good homage. I just, I, I just don't. Sorry, want Harry Pug is gonna stick with me for a while. <laughs> I, you know, I can't get it out of my head. I was like, who the hell is he talking about? <laughs> I thought he said Harry and her pug, and I'm like, <laughs> who are these? I don't remember what I said. I just... <laughs> Oh, yeah, there you go. Roll the tape it. back. Roll Very the tape fun, back. Yeah. <laughs> um Oh my god, that's but, adorable. <laughs> but I hope that the six the 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 six episodes we get, I, I really hope they stick with Moon Knight. I, I hope they don't do a deviation where they're trying to tie him into like the Eternals or try to sure. tie him into um you know, if they have like on the on the last scene of the final episode is we find out he's gonna have a part in the multi in in Doctor Strange and the multiverse mm-hmm. of madness. I don't care. I love it. That's fine. I just, I just what I worry about is, and I I keep bringing it back to what they did with Boba Fett, as I was so jacked up to see a Boba Fett series, and then they took half the series and made it about the Mandalorian, and I'm like, mm-hmm. then why even have this character's own series? Sure. So as long as they stick to Moon Knight, as long as they they continue to drive that character home, um, mm-hmm. you know Oscar Isaac can deliver on can. anything that you give. Trust him. him. So just yeah, just trust him to do this part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to sit and be all doom and gloom about it because like ultimately I'm enjoying it fine. Like it's mm-hmm. you know I don't it's it's all right. Um, and there are elements that I really like. Um, I just, just, just wanted more. You know, I, I didn't expect more, but I wanted more, mm-hmm. uh, and and something something different. So, uh, this is this is the same kind of hero that would fit in very well with the Daredevil. You know, mm-hmm. I'm used to coming from the Netflix Daredevil show. This is not that, mm-hmm. not even close to the level of intensity um, that we got from something like Daredevil. So. Well, it's, like you said, yeah. episode one was closer, and then episode two kind of like yeah. it, there broke was from an it. opportunity to go that way. So, so we um, could go back. Yeah, you're giving which, it two episodes, man. You got to give it more than two episodes. Yeah, well, like I Andrew mean, said, we're a third way through. Yeah, we're the third way through. That's, what, that's what, like we're supposed to get here. That's the danger. And then the danger mm-hmm. is if you move back, are they staying back? You know what I mean? Like. Right. John and I have talked about, you know, in watching Falcon and Winter Soldier, we both felt like that show suffered from like some very serious like mood and plot imbalance and wild swings and shift in tone it affected like the overall quality of the series. Like, so I don't I don't want Moon Knight to be this like struggle between like, you know, going darker and like lighter you know, there obviously like things need to have balance, but I just don't want it to be these like wild, like pendulum seesaws of, you know, that kind of shift. So I guess my hope would be 
they do go back to more of an episode one tone and stay there. Don't don't keep like bringing me back and forth because then I feel like off kilter and I'm just not like into the show because you keep bringing me back out. Yeah. Well, the Falcon and Winter Soldier ones that had to end. Like that had to end at the end of that season, right? That yeah. Was conclusion. That was the conclusion of the Bucky Barnes and Falcon, um, story. Which is which is fine, but like they just like did these weird like. It we're was. like we're friends, enemies. We hate each other. We've worked with each other before. We we feel like we've never worked with each other before. Like, what is happening in all it this? Was a buddy cop can't be buddy cop. Yeah, and that it was, was they too were going exactly. hard. They, it was, they it wanted was like, the buddy yeah. cop, but they also wanted to talk about issues, and they also wanted to tie into the MCU. Like they wanted a lot of things from that show that mm-hmm. didn't fit together. You know, like well, and it, it and it felt out of order. Like we're buddy yeah. cops. Wait, we don't know each other. We don't like each other. Like, oh nope, we're buddies again. Like, nope, we have to work on our relationship over here. Like, I feel like you have trying a relationship or you together. don't. <laughs> right. It it was not like like they could have taken a blueprint much more akin to Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to do you, you, that's your blueprint for a buddy the cop original movie. Original buddy cop. Right. Yeah. You know, where you you don't you have two people that don't know each other and mm-hmm. they have they're shoved together. They have to work together and then they end up creating a, a really great bond to one another and then accomplishing their mission in the end. Right. Well, that's great. But you'd, you'd be starting these people in a different place because they're already buddies. Mm-hmm. So why are you trying to break them up to put them back together? Yeah. And then their situation and why they had to be together seemed kind of weird to begin with and we didn't right. understand their situation like where they are mission wise or what this stru- yeah, just right waste the, my time like, yeah that was a mess. and that's and uh, that's ultimately what i don't want from like moon knight is don't waste and my I don't time think because you don't have a lot of my time yeah right yeah yeah all right any final thoughts anything we haven't covered i haven't really looked i haven't looked through people's notes um but I feel like I've said what I need to say about this show off mm-hmm. two episodes. I just think if you're a waiter at a steakhouse and a guy says, yeah, I'll take the best cut of meat. And you say, oh, I'll give you that. Well done. <laughs> you should be fired. You should be instantly fired. Immediately. Immediately fired. Immediately. Oh, and yeah. That was so awkward. I, I, I like, yeah. rewinded it. I was like, wait, did I hear that? Did you just say well done? And he goes, yeah, that sounds fine. I'm like, no, that sounds awful. <laughs> He's like upselling him on this like high quality meat, and he's like, "Sure, like you can. I'll just char that up for you right here." Like, yeah, <laughs> God, that was the weirdest. Uh, that actually, I yeah. did, I did like that scene though because it did remind me. Um, I didn't like the content of the scene, but I, but I liked the emotional depth, like the very, yes. you know, like Oscar Isaac did feel appropriately pathetic to the moment of like god my life man like this shit i just can't you know like he's missed three days he thought he had a date things were looking so up and then like oh what happened to me i both don't know what the hell i got myself into and like the one bright spot of my week where i had a date is just like crushed like i don't know i just i read all of that from oscar isaac sure so sure. I think he continues to do a, a, fab, a fabulous job and 
he needs to be given better material. All right. Well, we're going to have, uh, I know we're going to have, uh, Pete on sometime who is a Moon Knight fan in terms of, uh, like traditionally the comics and stuff. And, uh, we'll get his take as well. We're all Moon Knight normies here. So take that for what you will. We're, <laughs> we're consuming it like most people will be consuming it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, those are our thoughts. We're going to, we're going to have to do, I feel like we're going to have to do a, you know, we'll have Pete on, we're going to have to have Chris on, and then we get everybody, all you back for the, for the final thing or something like that. <laughs> Are you trying the, to get uh, like an end game thing here? Just, <laughs> just yeah. No, but game. we're just going to wing it. You know, if there's, if one of, one of you doesn't work out, we're going to move the other way. And then, you know, we're just going to eliminate one of you based on like the number of views we get on the video. Yeah. So Do I know. get my own spinoff series like, <laughs> <laughs> that I can get a conclusion arc later on. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, it's uh, it's good to hear what you guys think about the show. Mm-hmm. That's Moon Knight episodes one and two. And that's all that's available currently. And episode three should be dropping in just a couple days. Wednesday, I believe. So. Your Be birthday, ready for that. coincidentally. Couldn't go through the yeah, whole show without mentioning it. I'm sorry. I waited. Is it? Is it? Uh, yeah. Maybe my a birthday gift will be a good Moon Knight episode. Yeah. Great. A great Moon Knight episode. A great Moon Knight That's, episode. Yeah. That sounds. That sounds nice. <laughs> um. Anyways, Tony, thank you for joining us tonight on your thank premiere. Thank you for having me going yeah absolutely or uh be happy to have you back sometime mm-hmm. talk more moon night amongst other things um we should fo- everybody should follow us including you tony but everybody mm-hmm. tell everybody to follow us on twitch twitter facebook youtube all those things leave comments if you are a uh you know a marvel stan and you're like we're we're way out of pocket Come and uh, come at us. It's fine. Let us know what uh, what we're wrong about. We're also on podcast directories. Most of your favorite, probably Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Anchor. You know, go ahead and subscribe to us there, please. Leave a review. That helps a lot. So they say. And um, otherwise, Killing the Flower. They created our theme song, so you should check them out on Instagram, Spotify, and YouTube. And that will about do it from us. That's Popcast on the Rocks, episode 102. Uh, Tony, thanks for jumping on. And Andrea, thanks as always. See you next week. Of course. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>